Well, I just want to welcome you guys to Better Life Church. Thank you so much for coming out and worshiping with us today. And as we continue this moment of worship, let's just pray and ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy that's new every single day. God, we are so thankful that we get to sing to you this morning, that you put breath in our lungs that we can sing to you. And your word tells us that when your children praise you, that you inhabit the praises of your children. So God, I pray as the angelic host is praising you this morning, that Lord, the sound that we're making today will be pleasing to you in your ear. And Father, we just wanna thank you so much that you brought us to this place. As we begin this new series, we ask you, Father, that you would speak to us in an unbelievable way. That Lord, we will encounter your son Jesus this morning. For if we will see Jesus, we will never be the same. For it's in his great name, the highest name, the name above every name that we ask and we pray. Come on out and everybody say, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm glad you're here today. Say, I'm glad you're here. Come on. Look back out and say, I see you finally got your winter clothes out. You know what I'm saying? Get cold. My goodness. Wow. We're kicking off this new series called Supernatural. And when we were planning this series, we thought, man, this would be a great time, right? October. It's kind of spooky. All your favorite, you know, old movie reruns are on and you watch them from the 80s and you're like scared to death. And now you watch them like, man, they're really not that scared. They're kind of cheesy, right? I mean, but they scared you when you were a kid and we have Halloween at the end of this month. Why don't we talk about supernatural things? You know, the invisible things, the things that people really can't see, the things that are, that's just out there, the kind of this mysterious and unknown. And, and next week, we're going to, just a little plug here, next week we're going to be talking about demons. And so, you know, leading up to that, you don't want to miss it. Like, how do they become demons? What are demons? And, you know, is, is there a demon behind every bush? You know, you know, somebody like, here's a demon made my car not start. No, you're just out of gas. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we're going to... The devil gave me a flat tire. You ran over a nail. You know, I mean, come on. So is, is that how that works? And, and what does that look like in spiritual warfare? So you don't want to miss it. And then the last Sunday of the month is Baptism Sunday. We love Baptism Sunday. And I'm encouraged if you haven't been baptized, yes, sign up to be baptized. It's going to be awesome. But on that Sunday, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do in our life and the role and how to be filled with the Spirit, all that stuff and walk in the Spirit. So just want to encourage you. We got a fun supernatural series planned for you. But today we're going to be talking about angels. You know, we're going to be focused on and talking about this angelic host called angels. So I want you to do me a favor real quick. I want you to close your eyes just real fast. Close your eyes. And when I say the word angel, what do you see right now? What comes to your mind? What pops in your mind? Like, would you use your imagination. What do you see? What comes to your mind? All right, look back up at me. Did anybody see wings? Anybody see any wings come on when they thought of angels? Awesome. Any halos? Any halos? Did anybody think they're sitting beside an angel? Right? You know, I mean, come on, like, you got to come next week, honey. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about demons. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Charlie Angels came to your mind. I don't know. Chris Angel? Maybe, maybe Sarah McClunkin in the arms of an angel. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, I don't know. That's how my mind works. For me, it was Manifest, this new show that's out, right? Did they, did Flight 828 come back as angels? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You know, that's what comes to my mind. But, you know, when you think about angels, really the, in the super natural world, the world's fascinated with this stuff. I mean, the world's fascinated with paranormal and all this stuff because it's mysterious. But I've done a lot of study and research on supernatural stuff, and especially when it comes to angels. And I'm going to be really honest with you, there's not a lot of material out there on angels. I mean, I've never been to a service before where someone just preached specifically the whole entire message about angels. 
I'd never been in a Bible study before, but we got together as a Bible study and just kind of walked through and study about angels. The last time I preached on angels or talked about anything about, about angels, about a decade ago. So it was a long time ago. So honestly, I don't know much about angels. The only thing that I know about angels is that I married one. <sighs> yeah, I just wish her love language was words of affirmation. She was in the first service. I'm telling you what, if she was up here and she said, you know, I just want to let you know I married an angel, I'm like, oh my God. Hey, because that's my love language, words of affirmation. Now, if I said she's an angel and because she's an angel, I'm going to go home and clean and do dishes and fold clothes. She's like, you preach, son, you preach. Now, no, now that's when you, you know. And I just want to say this, you know, she has a birthday this week, but I, I know that you don't really get to see my wife if she's not up on stage or anything like that. But I'm just going to tell you what, Better Life Church, you are so blessed to have her as their pastor's wife. I'm telling you, she's an amazing, amazing woman of God. And I'm just so thankful for her. She is my angel, and I have a little angel. Her name is Sadie, too. She's awesome. And so, uh, uh, but the really honest thing, there's not a lot of material out there about angels. I mean, there's a, there's a few, like, you know, just some things in the Bible we can see, but really there's a lot of speculations when it comes to the supernatural world, when it comes to angels. And if you like to study angelology and you really want to study more about angels, let me give you a great resource right here. Because if you like to read or, or if you want to study about angels and this stuff, I'm going to give you probably the best resource that I found when studying for this. And it came out in 1970. And it was a book written by Dr. Billy Graham. Dr. Billy Graham wrote a book called Angels in 1975. I think there's a reprint in 95. But if you want to just study about angels, it's probably one of the most thorough reads that you can really grasp a hold of. If that's just something that interests you, I would encourage you to check that book out because it is pretty awesome. And so you may say, Pastor, do you really believe in angels? And the answer is, yes, I do. Why? Because Jesus did. Jesus believed in angels. Do you remember the night before he's about to be crucified? You know, he's sitting there and Peter comes and thinks he's going to protect Jesus and he pours out his sword. And, and I think he was trying to cut the dude's head off, but he misses and he cuts the ear off of this homeboy. And you remember what Jesus does? Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on the guy and heals him. And he stops Peter and he says, Peter, don't you know I can call down legions of angels? to come fight my war for me, that can wipe out human race just like that. I don't need you to fight for me, Peter. Just hang tight right here. Hang tight. This is not the war that I'm looking for. Jesus believed in angels. Therefore, I believe in angels. And there's so many passages that we can like dissect and look at when it talks to angels because there's multiple passages talking about it. But there's one I want to focus on, and it's in the book of Hebrews. So if you go with Hebrews chapter 1 with me, I'll be using the New Living Translation in case you're on your phone or your iPad or or. God bless you if you have an Android. But anyway, if you have one of those, and you can follow along with me in Hebrews chapter 1, because this passage, I, I, I want to set the context of what's going on. Anytime you want to read the Bible, let me just help you out here. Put it in the right context. It's very dangerous, very dangerous to take a scripture, one passage, one text out of the Bible and throw it at someone like a grenade. You need to understand what's the context. What was the author writing to? Who was the author writing to? And what was the meaning for the first century hearers to hear that? Don't just take one verse out of context and throw it at someone. Put it in the context of what's going on. So let's put this in context. We don't know exactly, because the author's not named, who wrote the book of Hebrews. 
We don't know who actually hand-penned it. We believe it's part of the canon. We believe it's part of the Bible. But we don't know, like Paul wrote this book and Peter wrote this one and, and the apostle John wrote that one. But this one is unnamed. But here's some things that we know about the person who wrote the book of Hebrews. One, they were very well school schooled in Greek. They were very well schooled in the Old Testament. There are so much Old Testament quotes all the way through this book. And the author's intent in this book is to write it to Jewish believers and Jewish non-believers who spoke Greek. We know this when we look at the text because the author quotes most of the Old Testament through the Septuagint. Now, this is a little kind of Bible nerd real quick, so there's a lot of context, but we'll get to the part in just in a moment. What is the Septuagint? So I want you to think about the Old Testament. The entire Old Testament, if you like Bible studies and stuff like that, you're going to like this, this series. The entire Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so, but all of a sudden, the Hebrew language is going out. Aramaic is coming in. Alexander the Great is now conquering the land. And he's bringing the Greek-speaking native tongue into all the land. And now people begin to speak Greek. And so there's this group of guys. Tradition says there were 72 of them. Septuagint just means 70. That 70 men got together, took the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, and translated it into Greek. And we have all these manuscripts called Septuagint that was translated from the Hebrew language into the Greek language so the Greek-speaking Jews would understand the Old Testament. So the writer here is quoting from the Septuagint that was translated from Hebrew into Greek and now what we have today in our Bible. That's pretty fascinating because that lets you know his audience, who he is trying to talk to. What is the message through the book of Hebrews? This is very important. The author wants the person who reads this letter to know this. That Jesus is better than anything. That Jesus is far greater and better than anything you can imagine. And we see this all the way through the book of Hebrews. He begins by saying Jesus is better and greater than the angels. That's why we're going to focus on chapter 1. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is a better sacrificial system. The old sacrifice, the new sacrifice. Jesus is better than the old covenant. There's the old covenant. Testament, Old Testament, just means covenant. And now we have the new covenant with Jesus' blood. And he wants us to know that Jesus is greater and better than anything. And the reason I love this book is because that's the mission of our church. It's to help people follow Jesus so they can experience a better life. Because with Jesus, your life will be better. Now, it won't be easier. You can read Hebrews chapter 12. You know what it says? It says people were beheaded. People were sawed in half because they put their faith in Jesus. But they were longing and kept their faith for the better life, the eternal life, the Bible says, to come. And so the whole intent of this Bible is to let you know, me know, and the readers know that Jesus is far greater and better than anything we could imagine. Now, that's the context of this book. So with that said, even though we don't know exactly the author, with that said, let's jump in verse 1 and let's walk through this passage. We'll stop in just a moment and we'll preach a little bit. If you're ready to get started, say so let's go. All right, hope you get your pencils ready. I got some notes to take. Here we go. Verse 1, long ago... God spoke many times and in many ways to the ancestor through the prophets. Here's a little commercial break. The whole month of November, we're going to talk about how to hear God's voice. How do I know if God's speaking to me? How do I get in position to hear God you know, and help me, help me make decisions in my life? It's going to be a great series. You don't want to miss it. Verse 2. And now these final days, the last days, he has spoken to us through his son Jesus. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance and through the son he created the universe, everything. 
The Son embodies, He radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty hand of His commands. And when He has cleansed us, when He did this, cleansed us from all unrighteousness, from all sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son, here it is, is far greater far better than the angels, just as the name God gave him, Jesus, is the name above every name, and is greater than any name that he ever named the angels. So what do we know about angels? Because when we read through the Bible, there's really not so much descriptive things when it talks about angels. So here we go. This isn't on the screen, but if you're taking some notes, here's what we do. We do know this, that angels are created beings. Angels haven't always existed. Angels haven't always existed like God has existed. They actually were created being God created the angels. In fact, the apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter one, it says this, all things were created by Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. He created all things. He created the angels. But the question as a Bible student would say, when did he do that? Like, when did God create the angels? Honestly, there's only, you can only have speculation here. We really truly don't know when God did it. The Bible gives us a few hints, but we really don't know when. We do know the angels were already created before God formed the earth. We know that. The Bible speaks of that. But I'm going to hold the position. I'm not going to die for this position because it has nothing really to do with salvation in that matter. I'm not going to die for this position. But I kind of lean towards the position that somewhere between Genesis chapter 1-1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, between the first two verses in the Bible is when God created the angelic host. You may say, Pastor, where did you get that from? Well, when you look in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, it says God created the heavens and, and then the earth. And then in verse 2, it says, but the earth was formless and void. And then God began to create the earth and eventually mankind. But it didn't say God created the heavens. The heavens stop after verse 2. The reason why I take the position is somewhere between verse 1 and verse 2, when God created the heavens, then he created the angelic host. What you and I know to be angels. Now, we haven't gotten down to verse 14 yet, but verse 14 says that angels are spirits. See, they're made in the likeness of God, but we are made in the image of God. Angels don't have bodies. They're spirits. And the only time they took a human form is when God had a specific task for them to go give a message. When you die, you don't become an angel. He said, I know, it, I know it's good talk, and I know it makes good on a card, and I know that we say God took another angel to heaven. We don't become angels. In fact, we, 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 we actually get bodies. We get new bodies. We don't become angels. Angels are these spiritual beings, these spirit beings. In fact, we don't get wings. We don't have wings and fly around in heaven and, and sit on a cloud and play a harp. That would be hell for most of us, right? I mean, that is not heaven. So, so there's a different, we're a different creation than them. God created them in a specific way. And they don't take on this physical form, which means they also don't marry. Jesus talked about this because they said when a guy dies and his wife, you know, goes to heaven and she had, you know, five of these husbands that passed away, passed away, passed away. When she gets to heaven, which one is, will she marry? And he said she won't marry. She will then be like the angels. What he's trying to say is they don't marry. They don't procreate. They don't multiply like us. They're different. They're a spiritual 
spirit being. And because of that, their appearances are very rare. Very rarely through the Bible do we see an angel pop up. They're very rarely for them to appear. And here's something fascinating, that every time they appear, they were always men. Now, I'm not saying they're not women angels. I don't know. But every time they're the man, they're always in the masculine term. See, these are God's created people. I don't know what the, all the purpose for every one of them are, but we know that we see these traces through the Bible that God has something with these created beings called angels. And when we walk through them, we actually see there were three types. Again, this is a lot of background stuff, but I got a point I want to make to you when we get to the end. You just have to suffer with me that long. And there's these three types of angels we see in the Bible. The first one is the seraphim. A seraphim is only mentioned in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. If you want to write that down, Isaiah chapter 6. And the, uh, the seraphim is a Hebrew root word that means love. It means like burning, like burning with love and glorify the Father, glorifies the throne of God. Now this seraphim is kind of crazy looking. It does have wings. It has two wings that covers its face, two wings that covers its feet, and then two wings that causes it to fly. And it hovers around the throne of God 24 seven, and all it does is glorify and worship God. It's a pretty spectacular creature. And then we have cherubims. Cherubim is what most of us would probably recognize. If you remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and got kicked out of the garden, God took two cherubims, stood at the entrance of the garden, and would not let no one pass. If you're familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, I preached about that a while back. If you remember, if you've ever seen that, remember the two angels, they faced forward. Those were cherubims on top of the Ark of the Covenant. In the middle was the mercy seat. Now, these cherubims are some bad, bad dudes, man. I mean, they're mad warriors. I mean, they're, they're some pretty tough guys that God used to do His bidding and, and to do His will. In fact, if we read in Psalms 18, verse 10, this is fascinating. It says, God rode on the wings of a cherubim. David was praying, saying, God came down and he rode on the wings of a cherubim. Man, they got some, some big dudes, right? I mean, this is crazy stuff. And like, can you explain that, Pastor? What does that mean? That means God came down, got on cherubim, and rode his wings. I don't know. I wasn't there. But these are some very powerful, powerful creatures. And then we have in the Revelations, we see, I believe, it's in chapter 4, the living creatures. And this is where these angels, one looks like a lion, and one looks like an ox, and one looks like a man, and one looks like an eagle. I mean, these are some fascinating descriptions of what these angels mean. But those are the only three types that we actually see in when we read through the Bible. Now, there seems to be a hierarchy system to the angelic world. Like there's a chief, and then they got some managers, and there's some middle managers, and then there's some employees, and there's employees, and it's like there seems to be this hierarchy system. And we know that by the term that's given to one of the angels called the archangel. The arch means chief. It means the man. It means the boss. Like archangel is in control of all the angels, and the archangel in the Bible has one name, and his name is Michael. And we see Michael in the book of Daniel who faces the spiritual warfare against the prince of Persia. It's crazy. It's an awesome read. Probably not a good bedtime story for your kids, but again, it's an awesome read if you want to read that. And, 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 we, and we see Michael show up, and he he's fights. We see him at the end in the book of Revelation where he fights the dragon, which is going to be Satan and all the fallen angels. We'll get to that next week. And all this stuff. I mean, Michael is this crazy, awesome, powerful, the highest angel, according that we find in the Scripture, that there is. 
And I know if you've been to good old revival preachers before and you've been to a place where you heard about the end times and the, when Jesus comes back, I know you've heard them shout. They've sung the song and you said, when Jesus comes, there's going to be a loud shout. There's going to be a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Y'all remember that, right? And it says, when Jesus comes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says, with a loud shout, guess who shouts? Michael. It is the archangel Michael who gives a loud shout and wakes the dead. I don't know what he says. I have no idea what he's going to say. Get up. I don't know. I have no clue. Jesus is here. Okay, maybe that's it. Let's go. That's what I say. Maybe that's what I say. Let's go. It's time to do something. But that's how powerful that the world will hear Michael, the archangel, say, get up and let's go. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are left will be caught up with him in the air. Michael is a very, very powerful angel. And then the only other named angel in all the Bible is Gabriel. Now, Gabriel appears a few times in the Bible. He shows up in the book of Daniel. He shows up to Elizabeth and says, you're with child and you're going to have this. He's going to be the one called out of the wilderness and, and, and prepare the way, which was John the Baptist. Gabriel appears to Mary and we're going to celebrate that at Christmas. He says, you're with child. You're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. Gabriel always like brings good news and Michael always brings judgment. It's time to fight. It's time to be in this battle. That's the only two names in the Bible when it talks about an angel. And the only other one, and we're going to talk about this next week, is Lucifer, or he who shall not be named. You know what I'm saying? Only a few of you got that, but we'll talk about that one later. He who must not be named, right? And Lucifer, tradition believes, was also an archangel. He was probably equivalent to Michael. And God gave him a free will, and he chose to rebel, took third of the heaven with him, the angels, who are now are demonic forces that we fight today that you cannot even see. If that intrigues you or you want to know more about that, come next week. We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk how did that happen and, and what does that even look like and why would God even allow and, and, and how is that even possible for that to take place? We're going to talk about that next week. But the question is, what do these angels do? Well, when you walk through the scripture, we notice that the angels did fairly few things. Basically, angels are messengers. They brought these messages for God. They did the bidding on behalf of God. God would send, send someone to be a messenger. We see this with Abraham when they came. There's three of them came. We see this with Gideon when he says, hey, guess what? You're a mighty warrior. Get up out of the, out of the wine press. Let's go. Let's do something. We see an angel who comes to Mary. We see an angel that comes to Elizabeth when they're about to. So angels brought messages to God's people. Here's something else we see. The worshipers. Angels love to worship. In fact, they worship 24-7. The book of Revelation says they worship tens and thousands and tens of thousands of angels. Worship. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb, they say, 24-7. We know that angels are worshipers. And then we see that angels are warriors. They're in a spiritual battle. That they're fighting on our behalf, there's a warfare going on that you do not even recognize, that we cannot even see in the supernatural, in the first heavens, the second heavens, the third heavens, all in between is this war that's taking place that we can't even see with our own eye. But let me tell you how bad these dudes are. We find here in 2 Kings verse in chapter 19 that one of these angels came down and took out 185,000 Assyrians in one evening. 
These guys are some bad dudes. I mean, they can fight, and there's a war that's going to happen. Michael's going to lead the war against the dragon. We know this is the Satan. We know this is coming. It's at the end time. You don't have to panic. Guess why? Because we're on the winning team. Now, I've already read the end of the book, and guess what? We win. It's already there. He's already been defeated. But anyway, we'll talk about that next week. You don't want don't to miss it. So there are some of the things that angels do. They're messengers, they're warriors, and they worship God 24-7. Now, let's jump back in here real quick, verse 5. And we're going to look at what the author says, these seven Old Testament quotes about how Jesus is greater than the angels. Why? Because he's trying to let his audience know that Jesus is better. Verse 5, for God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have become your father. God never said that God, to any other angel. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. And when he brought us into the supreme son into the world, when he brought his son into the supreme son into the world, God said, let all God's angels worship him. The angels worship Jesus. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends, like with the command, he sends his angels like the wind, his servants like flames of fire. But to the sun, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever, and you rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O God, you God your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy. That'd be some good oil right there. The oil of joy on you more than anyone else. He also says to his son, in the beginning, the Lord laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish but you, Jesus, will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing, and you'll fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the right place or sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. Who are his enemies? His enemies are the angels that fell with Satan. The enemies that rebelled against God. Folks, listen, hell was never created for us. The Bible's very clear that hell was created for those that fell and rebelled against God. And they don't get a second chance to be redeemed. God will not redeem those angels. But he does redeem us. We get a second chance. And because we get a second chance, we can be on God's team versus the enemy's team. Because whoever's on the enemy's team will spend eternity in a place called hell. Until then, Jesus will sit on his throne until the enemies become his footstool under his feet. And then all that to get to verse 14. Aren't you glad we went through all that to get to this one verse? Verse 14. Therefore, angels are only servants. Spirits, not a physical form, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. That is a fascinating verse, and that's where I just want to finish right here just for a moment, because you're sitting here going, thanks for the Bible study, but what's that have to do with me? Like, how does angels affect me today? But please, please understand this. What I'm about to share with you is only for those who have put their faith and trust and Jesus, because it says that their angels are sent to care for every one of us who will be delivered from the wrath of God in the end times. 
And so this is how, and some, it's not all, but this is how the angels care for you and care for me. Real quick, there's a few things. One, they minister to us. You ever thought that time in your life when you just needed something and, and like something just begins to minister to you or, or, or God sends someone in your life to minister to you? Do you know that angels minister to us? We see this. It's just fascinating. Jesus fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights. That's a supernatural fast with no food, no water, nothing for 40 days and for 40 nights. And Satan tempts him every single day and night, and then Satan departs and leaves. And you know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 4? It says that the angels came and ministered to Jesus. If the angels come to the Son of God and ministers to Jesus, how do you think God's going to send his angels to minister to us? Fast forward to the night of Gethsemane. You remember, he's sitting there in the night, and he's praying, God, if it's not your will, let this cup pass for me. And his sweat turns to blood. And you know what the Bible says? It says that God sent an angel to strengthen his son Jesus that night. Now you think about that. That God sent an angel to minister to his son. Listen, God may send an angel to you to strengthen you and to minister to you in the time that you need it the most. And I want you to know that because I want you to be aware of this, that they are watching us 24 Seven. There's not a moment of your life go by that the angels are not watching you. And you know why? It's because you have something they've never experienced in their life. They don't know what it's like to be redeemed for someone to die for them because God has not redeemed the angels. The Bible says they stoop over heaven and they watch and they look at us longing just to taste the salvation that we can experience. See, I want you to leave today understanding the awareness of angels and how God might use them to play out in your life. Here's something else we know about angels. They protect us. Ever been in a situation you're like, man, that's only a God thing that came through. Like, how did I, was, how was I protected through that? Do you know that God sends angels to protect us. We've been singing a song that we may look like we're surrounded by the enemy, but really we're surrounded by God because he's bigger than our enemy. And Pastor Jacob, oh my gosh, preached an unbelievable message last week. If you missed it, go back and watch it. Talking about if your faith is just hanging on a thread that God wants to do something great in your life. But he alludes to this passage found in, in 2 Kings about Elisha when, when, when they come out of the tent and the servant is scared to death because they're surrounded by the enemy. And he says, God opened his eyes and the servant's eyes were open and he saw the numerous angels surrounded the camp. There were more angels than there were the enemies. And I, I just could imagine if God would open our eyes for a split second for us to see the cosmos and see this angelical warfare that's going all around us. We would be like, what in the world? But God sends his angel to protect us. Psalms 91, probably one of my favorite psalms, if not my favorite psalms in all the whole book of psalms. I want you to listen, and I pray this all the time, but I want you to look at this promise. For he will order his angels, watch this, to protect you, to protect you wherever you go. Now I want you to think about this. As you get up every day of your life and you're aware that God sends angels to minister to us and God sends angels to protect us everywhere we go. And in time when God needs to, he will deliver us. That God will use his angels to deliver us. Remember, Peter gets arrested. We see this in Acts chapter 12. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and 
opens the door and lets Peter out. And Peter comes to his senses in verse 11 and says, God sent an angel to spare me and deliver me from Herod. We see this when Paul, Paul's on his way on a mission trip journey and the ship gets battered and is about to be shipwrecked. But the angel is sent by God to say, don't worry, Paul, you will not lose any on the ship. We have delivered you from this. And that's just the pictures of how God would use angels to protect us and deliver us. But this is the question probably for sitting here when I talk about that, that most people would ask. And that's this question. Do I have a personal guardian angel? Like has God put one right next to me that goes with me everywhere I go? And here's my answer to that. I have no clue. I don't know. There's only one passage where Jesus talks about the little ones, that if you make the little ones stumble, it's best for you to have a milestone tied around your neck than thrown into the depths of the ocean. And, and in that passage, he talks about that the, the angels look at the little one as it's intended to say that the children have these guardian angels that guard them. I don't know. It's kind of loosely there. You really can't. It's going to be hard maybe to pull that out, but that's where some may say that we all have a unique guardian angel. Listen, I have no clue. If you have a specific angel that goes with you everywhere you go that guards you, but I do know this, that God has his angels on a beckoning call that when he needs to send them for you, to minister to you, to protect you, to deliver you at a nanosecond, they can move faster than you can imagine. They can be right there with you. So I take value and trust in God's word that though I may not know if they're with me at this moment, that any time that I need it, God will send them for me. And that should encourage us as believers. And then, then this one is fascinating. Two more and we'll be done. This one's pretty fascinating is this, that when I die and that when you die, that God will send his angels. This is so fascinating to carry us into the presence of the Lord. And you may say, Pastor, where in the world do you get that from? It's in Luke chapter 16. Most of our English and modern translations that go through this, they kind of do a little bit of injustice here, in my opinion, because they call this a parable about Lazarus. Not Lazarus that was died and in the tomb and the roll of stone went away and Jesus comes out because he stinketh. I'm not talking about that Lazarus. I'm talking about there's another Lazarus. And translators are people who interpret the Bible, puts in the heading right there, the parable of Lazarus. And I'm going to disagree with them and say this is not a parable. This is actually a true story. Jesus never, Jesus never used specific names in parables. A parable was a fictitious story made up that had a heavenly meaning. And so for him to, to turn and talk about Lazarus right here, this is pretty fascinating because it said when Lazarus died, angels picked him up and carried him into the presence of the Lord, which means this, God will send his angels to protect us, deliver us, but the, here's the reality, the last time I read this statistic, it was true, one out of one people die. You will face death, but Paul says death is just a doorway. Jesus has taken the sting out of death, and that's the last final blow that the devil wins because sin entered into a life that we will die. But the moment we die, the angels are there for us, ministering to us and caring for us. At the moment we breathe our last breath, they will now carry us into the presence of the Lord. Billy Graham writes in his book about his grandma and people that in his life that he's experienced that at the very last moment of their death, at the very last breath, that they saw angels and they heard 
the voices and they've encountered Jesus. And this was written in 1975 and Dr. Billy Graham says, but the thing is, it's not a tragedy, he says. He says, but because with modern day medicine and things like that, when people are on their last days, we, we give them medicine so they don't have to suffer and pain and therefore they don't really get to talk to us in the last few moments of their breath so we don't know exactly what they are seeing he said but before that there's so many people talked about seeing the angels and seeing Jesus and and having encounters with them and that would be true we won't really have to question that because the Bible says they will carry us into his presence but here's what I want you to know if you're here today and you are not a believer, or if you're watching online and you're not a Christian, the opposite is true. In fact, the Bible says you're not on God's team, but God wages war against you. In fact, you are serving the team I'm gonna talk about next week. But if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, the one who will inherit salvation, he will send His angels to minister to us, to care for us, to protect us, to deliver us. And someday, because death will come to every one of us, will carry us. Does that not bring us comfort into the presence of the Lord? And so my challenge to you today, if you're watching online, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, join the family. Cross from death to life. And there is one thing, though, that you can do if you're a non-believer that can make the angelic host break out and rejoicing and joy. It's actually found in Luke chapter 15. You remember the parable of the lost sheep and the farmer leaves the 99 and goes, finds the one. We sing the song. The woman has lost her coin. She turns the house up down. She finds the coin. The prodigal son comes home. And all that for this point, what Jesus is trying to make, that when something is lost, has been found, you rejoice. And then he interprets the parable in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. And look what he says. He says this, in the same way, when a sinner, when you come home, the joy of the presence of God's angels, they will rejoice with joy when one sinner repents. Now watch this. Today, if you don't know Jesus and you give your life to Jesus, guess what happens? All the angelic host, every created angel in the universe rejoices over you. If you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus, the day that you did, guess what happened? The heavens rejoiced because of you. Because they're watching us and looking at us, waiting to see those who would taste and experience the goodness and the greatness of God's salvation. So here's my question to you. Why would you neglect such a great salvation? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And in the first service this morning, we had roughly about, I think around seven people gave their life to Jesus, which is amazing. And heaven shouted a little bit better than you, but that's okay, that's okay. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna give you a chance if you don't know Jesus. I mean, intellectually you know him, but not in your heart. I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to the gospel this morning. If you would just bow your heads just for a moment. 
If you're here this morning and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that you have been edified through the study of angels. And yes, that was a 30,000 foot view. And there's a lot of other questions there are about that. But just from looking at the text and the Bible, here's some things that we know. I pray that you have been strengthened with the word of encouragement to know that God will send his angels who are spirits to care for you. When you think no one is there, God is there. And then here's the second thing, and honestly, the main thing is that if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, wow, what an awesome day to give your life to me. That you will cross over from the team we're talking about next week and to God's family. That you move from being his enemy and going to experience his wrath to experience his grace and his love. And all those benefits and promises I just shared will be yours. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, whether you're watching online or in the house, would you just pray with me? Now please hear me out. Saying a prayer won't save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? God's wrath that he will pull out on all his enemies in the end time. So if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, today, I turn from my sin and I put my faith in you. Now help me live for you all the days of my life. Now, if that's you and you pray that with me, I want to rejoice with you, just like the heavens did. So if that's you and you're here this morning, say, pastors, once you know, I just prayed with you. I want to rejoice with you. If that's you, I want you to stick your hand up. Say, pastor, I just prayed with you. Come on. Anybody else? Get them up. Awesome. Anybody else? Just get your hand up. Praise the Lord. Now, church, look back up here at me. The Bible says that when one person gives their life to Jesus, that the heaven rejoices. Today, we've seen roughly about eight or nine people give their life to Jesus. And I think that calls us time for us to celebrate. So if you will stand your feet, come on, stand your feet and let's worship and celebrate what God done. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app, available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church/givenow. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.